You know, I cannot think of a more appropriate way to celebrate Easter than to observe the Lord's Supper. And let me just say, for the sake of our guest, uh, we believe in an open communion here at Edgewood, which simply means if you have placed your trust in Jesus, He is your Lord and Savior, you are more than welcome uh, to participate, whether you are a member of Edgewood or not. Uh, look with me at those very, I hope you picked up a copy of the sermon notes, and look at the very first verses, 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 23 and 24. It says, On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took some bread and gave thanks to God for it. Then he broke it in pieces and said, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. I believe in verse 24, we find two of the most precious words in the entire Bible. For you. The purpose of the Lord's Supper is to remember, to remember the love that Jesus demonstrated for you through his death, burial, and resurrection. And as you reflect on his love, that your heart will become so overwhelmed, so overcome with appreciation, that you gladly would surrender all that you are and all that you possess to Jesus as an expression of worship and adoration. Notice I've entitled the message, For Me. As we reflect on what Jesus did for you, I want you to personalize this. I want you to own it. As you say in your heart, all of this Jesus did for me. And to aid us in this, with many of the verses that we'll be looking at, I've substituted personal pronouns. The first thing that Jesus did for me, Jesus was scourged for me. Jesus was scourged for me. Would you say that with me? Jesus was scourged for me. You can do better than that. Jesus was scourged for me. Prior to being nailed on the cross, Jesus was scourged. The scourging was administered by a Roman soldier who was a professional executioner. He went by the name of Lictor. His weapon was a whip that consisted of a small wooden handle to which they attached long strips of leather with bits of bone and metal sewn into the tips. Jesus, the very creator of heaven and earth, God Almighty Himself, Lord of Lords, King of Kings, suffered the humiliation of being stripped of all of His clothing to stand naked before the gawking crowd. They didn't bound him. They 
tied him to a low stone column with his back bent over, his face toward the ground. And then the whip began to do its bloody work. Virtually his entire body was ripped to shreds with large hunks of flesh being torn away. He suffered considerable blood loss. This would have left him in a state of shock, just short of death. Matter of fact, many men died from a scourging. It actually went by the term as the second death. Look at Isaiah 52, verse 42, describing this scene. It says, but many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know he was a man. The scourging took about four minutes. And as I mentioned, left Jesus in a state just short of death. Now, why was it necessary for Jesus to be scourged? Would not the cross have been enough? Well, we need to understand that my sin, your sin, was laid on him as he took the punishment we deserved. On the cross, Jesus paid for the penalty of our sin, which is separation from God. This is why when on the cross, Jesus cried out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? But in the scourging, in the scourging, Jesus bore the painful consequences of sin. The wounds that sin inflicts on the sinner. The pain, the sorrow, the grief that sin causes. Look at Isaiah chapter 53 verse 4. But it was my sin that did that to him. That ripped and tore and crushed him. My sins. Let's read that together. Read that with me. But it was my sin that did that to him. That ripped and tore and crushed him. My sins. In Isaiah 53, verse 5, we read, By his scourging, I am healed. The apostle Peter wrote, By his wounds, we are healed. On the cross, Jesus paid the penalty for our sin. But at the scourging, he heals us from the very wounds of our sin. Hallelujah. But not only was Jesus scourged for me, look at the next point. Jesus was humiliated for me. Say that with me. Jesus was humiliated for me. After the scourging, Jesus became a comic king in the eyes of the soldiers as he stood before them naked. His body a mass of bruised and bleeding flesh. They crowned him with thorns and they mocked him by kneeling and saying, Hail, King of the Jews. They spit on him and they beat him in the face until he was unrecognizable. 
in Psalm 22, verses 6 and 8, we get a glimpse of this horrific scene from the Savior's perspective. We learn what he was thinking and feeling at this moment. We discover the humiliation he experienced. He said, but I am a worm and not a man. I am scorned and despised by all. Everyone who sees me mocks me. They sneer and shake their heads saying, is this the one who relies on the Lord? Then let him save him. If the Lord loves him so much, let the Lord rescue him. And of course, we know that Jesus did all of this, what, voluntarily. He said he could call, what, a legion of angels to rescue him. But he suffered the scourging. He suffered the humiliation for you, for me. Look at Isaiah 53, verse 3. He was looked down on and passed over. A man who suffered, who knew pain firsthand. One look at him and people turned away. We looked down on him, thought he was scum. He who knew no sin, the beautiful, pure, innocent Jesus became scum for me. Say that with me. Jesus became scum for me. Say it again. Jesus became scum for me. We're going to watch a video now that couples images from the passion of the Christ with the beautiful old hymn, O Sacred Head, Now Wounded, which was written way back in the 1600s. And as you watch this video, I trust that you'll keep saying in your heart, all of this, all of this, he did for me. Now, school. 
for me. Jesus was scourged for me. Jesus was humiliated for me. And then Jesus was nailed on a cross for me. Would you say that with me? Jesus was nailed on the cross for me. The soldiers redressed Jesus and they began the long, hard walk to Calvary with Jesus carrying his cross. But as you know, the tortured tortured body of Jesus fell beneath the weight of the cross as Simon, an onlooker, was forced by the Roman soldiers to carry the cross the remainder of the way. Arriving at the place of execution, Jesus once again suffered the humiliation 
of being stripped of all of his clothing. And he was mounted on the cross before it was placed in its upright position to hold Jesus in place. Soldiers drove long, large steel spikes through his wrist and through his feet. Psalm 22, verse 16 helps us see this scene from the Savior's eyes. My enemies surround me like a pack of dogs. An evil gang closes in on me that he hath pierced my hands and feet. Then the cross was tilted and dropped into its socket. The sudden jolt tore at the wounds in his feet and his wrists, sending a shock wave of excruciating pain throughout his entire body. As we saw in last week's message, at this very moment, Jesus was praying, not for himself, but for you and me. Father, what? Forgive them. Father, forgive them. In Isaiah 53, 5, we read, Jesus was pierced for my sins. He was crushed for my iniquities. He took the punishment I deserved. Would you please read that verse with me out loud? Jesus was pierced for my sins. He was crushed for my iniquities. He took the punishment I deserved. And then, of course, after being nailed on the cross for me, Jesus died for me. Jesus died for me. Would you say that with me? Jesus died for me. Death by cr crucifixion was one of progressive weakness giving way to increased unbearable pain. Because of the slumped position of the body on the cross, uh, the respiration of the victim was greatly restricted. For this reason, the person was nailed to the cross with his legs bent so that he could lower, uh, lower and raise himself to breathe. But to raise his body to breathe, Jesus had to flex his elbows and then push off the spike that had been driven in his feet. So each time he lifted himself just to take a single breath, he experienced excruciating pain where the spikes had been nailed through his wrist and feet. Lifting his body would also painfully scrape the open wounds of his scourged back against the rough wood of the cross. Add to all of this thirst, exposure to weather and insects, and intense muscle cramps when the muscles could no longer lift the body, which in the case of Jesus was after six, year, six hours of hanging on the cross, Jesus died, unable to take another breath. But you need to understand, far 
greater, far greater than any physical pain that Jesus suffered on the cross was the pain of not only being abandoned by his father as he paid the penalty for our sin, but actually becoming the very object of his father's wrath against sin. Look at Isaiah 53, verse 6. We all, all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. When Jesus hung on that cross, your sin, my sin, was laid on him. Why? Well, look at the next verse, 1 John 2, 2. And he himself is the propitiation for my sins, and not for mine only, but also for those of the whole world. Look at 1 John 4.10. And this is love, not that I loved God, but that He loved me and sent His Son to be the propitiation for my sins. I would suggest you circle that word in both verses, propitiation. You say, what in the world does that word mean? It is a most beautiful word when you understand it in the context. Propitiation. In the Greek New Testament, literally means, literally means a sacrifice designed to turn away the wrath of an offended God. Man's sin, your sin, my sin, offends holy God. And as a result, we become the target of God's wrath because what all have sinned without exception. At the cross, the sin of mankind was placed on Jesus so that he could make propitiation for our sins. The Holy Son of God, who throughout all eternity had become the object of his Father's love, now became the object of his Father's wrath. At the cross, Jesus was executed by his Father to satisfy the righteous judgment of God against our sin so that we could receive a heavenly pardon. This is why we read in Isaiah 53 verse 4, Yet we considered him, notice, stricken by God, smitten by him and afflicted. At the cross, God's love was demonstrated towards sinners who deserved nothing but God's wrath, while God's wrath was poured out on His Son who did nothing to deserve it. At the cross, Jesus experienced the full measure of His Father's wrath, so today you and I could experience the full measure of the Father's love. Look at the next verses in your notes. Romans 5, 6, at the cross, when I was utterly helpless, Christ came just at the right time and died for me, a sinner. Romans 5, 8, at the cross, but God put his love on the line for me by offering his son in sacrificial death while I was of no use to him. Romans 5, 10, at the cross, while I was an enemy, I was reconciled to God through the death of His Son. Isaiah 53, verse 4, At the cross, but He endured the suffering that should have been mine, that pain that I should have borne. 
Andy is going to come now and lead us in the great old hymn at the cross. And folks, let's sing like sinners who have been saved from God's wrath now to be the recipients of God's mercy. Let's sing like sinners who have been saved from the garbage dump of eternity, which is hell, to now have the assurance of an eternal home in heaven. We ought to bust the roof off of this place because of what he did all for me. For me. Andy, let's praise him. Amen. Well, as Brother Andy was speaking there, I said, do I have him stand or do I have him sit to sing this song? And I'm getting there thinking in my head, let's get on our knees before the Lord. Let's humble ourselves before a mighty God who sent his own son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for each and every one of our sins. So the least we can do is get on our knees before our Father and, and proclaim to him that he is God. He is he is so much more worthier than us. The words are on the screen. Would you just get on your knees before the Lord today and humble yourself for what Jesus did for us because he humbled himself for us.
please be seated. Jesus was scourged. He was humiliated, nailed to the cross, and died all for me. But as you know, it does not end there, and that's why we're here this morning. Uh, Jesus rose again for me. Jesus rose again for me. Say that with me. Jesus rose again for me. Look at Romans 14, verse 9. It reads, Christ died and rose again for this very purpose, so that he can be my Lord both while I live and when I die. Jesus is alive, and he lives in me. He lives to forgive me. He lives to come into my heart. He lives to change me. He lives to walk with me through life's trials. He lives to bring me strength, joy, peace, and love. As I close, look at 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 15. His purpose in dying... For me, there's our words, his purpose in dying for me is that my life should now no longer be lived for myself, but notice, for him who died and rose again for me. Look at that last question in your notes. In light of what Jesus did for me, what will I do for him? See, the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ is not just some historical event on the calendar that we celebrate. It is a life to be lived as we surrender our lives to Him. So Andy's going to come back now, and we're going to worship a resurrected, living Savior who lives in the hearts of all those who have put their trust in Him. Amen? Amen.
talking about because he lives, amen, and it speaks of uh, believing, uh, believing in the Son. It speaks of believing in the risen one. And it speaks of believing that you overcame through that. So let us proclaim as we rejoice in this wonderful new song. deacons and elders to begin to take their places. Uh, Kathy, my girls can go ahead and uh, get ready. I'll let you know before uh, we begin, just get in your spot, but don't start yet. Again, as I shared earlier, uh, here at Edgewood, we believe in an open communion, 
If you are our guest, you know Jesus is your Lord and Savior. You are more welcome. Uh, you are invited to uh, uh, to participate. And uh, beloved, I, this is our opportunity now uh, to respond. Um, and I trust, as we partake of the Lord's Supper, uh, you reflect on what we just shared about all that Jesus did for you. He did this for me. Personalize that. Own that. And as I shared a moment ago, that verse out of 2 Corinthians, let me just remind you, his purpose in dying for me is that my life should now no longer be lived for myself, but for him who died and rose again for me. And as we begin to observe the Lord's Supper, my girls are going to sing a, a beautiful old hymn, Take My Life and Let It Be Consecrated, Lord, to Thee. And how can that not be the response of every person here? In light of what you did for me, I lay down my life as a living sacrifice for you. And folks, let's realize that when Jesus died on that cross, as he spilled his blood, the Bible actually teaches that he also sanctified that cross to become an altar where we lay down our lives to follow him. And I trust that that's what we'll be doing this morning. We do have a station up in the balcony for those of you in the balcony. Uh, the men are right over here in this area. Also, we have men that if you're not physically able to come forward and partake of the Lord's Supper, if you would just simply raise your hand as the uh, rows get back toward you and they'll come and serve you if you're not physically able to come. But the deacons will instruct you by rows as you come out and just go back in the other way. So let's worship now. Let's worship now. Don't let your mind wander. Focus on what was just shared. Focus on Jesus. Own that. He did all of this for me. And now, what are you going to do for him in terms of surrendering your all? So let's observe now.
bow your head. You know, we began the message by saying the purpose of the Lord's Supper is to remember, to remember the love that Jesus demonstrated for me through his death, burial, and resurrection, and to reflect on that love until our hearts become so overcome with appreciation that we gladly surrender to him all that we are, all that we possess as an expression of worship. Romans 12, 1 and 2 says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies, all that you are, all that you possess, as a living sacrifice, a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable to him. And that sacrifice is only holy and acceptable as you lay it on that altar of the cross It was sanctified by the blood because whoever touches that altar is made holy and God receives the sacrifice and then it goes on and it says, and do not be conformed, don't be squeezed into the mold of this world, into this world's thinking and values and perspective, this world's character and conduct, but be transformed through the renewal of your mind that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you're here this morning and you've never asked Jesus to come into your life to forgive you of your sin and to follow him, I plead with you to do that on behalf of the mercies of God that you've reflected on this morning. As you've realized all that Jesus did for you, he was scourged for you, humiliated for you, nailed on the cross for you, died for you, rose again for you. He lives for you. And now that one who died and rose again for you, he desires you to live for him in appreciation, out of devotion. And so I ask you, make your heart his home. Ask him in. Simply pray this prayer. And you could pray it after me just silently in your own heart. Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you for all that you did for me. Thank you for dying for me. Thank you for rising again, that you're alive, that you're alive to forgive me, that you're alive to take control of my life. And Lord, I make my heart now your home. I ask you to come in, to forgive me of my sins, to take control of my life. That in light of what you did for me, that now I would live for you by your power at work in me. And then I know most of us here this morning are believers. I just want to allow just a few moments of silence to give us all an opportunity now to respond, to express our love to Jesus, to express our appreciation. And to demonstrate our love for him by offering our lives to follow him, to not accomplish our selfish ends, 
but his purposes. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your amazing sacrifice on our behalf, a sacrifice that is truly worthy of all that we are, of all that we possess. Truly, as we reflect on you and what you accomplished for us, we realize no gift could ever be too extravagant for you, no surrender too great And so, Lord, as the girls sang a moment ago, take our lives and let them be consecrated to you. Take our love that we pour at your feet and be pleased by our affection. Be pleased by our attention, our allegiance that we give you. And then, Father, even as we give you that allegiance, We're so mindful of how desperate we are for you and your grace and your power to be at work in us. Father, we realize apart from that grace and power, we will deny you just like Peter did. And so, Lord, I pray that you now would be, in light of every commitment that's been made, every surrender, every decision, you now will be that power to bring about that which was committed to you, to keep that which was committed to you against that day when our Savior will return, that you, out of your covenant love, would accomplish your purposes in us, to grow us in the likeness of Christ, and to enable us to fulfill your purposes. And again, thank you for Christ's body that was offered for us, his blood that was shed for us, and for eternal life that is ours through Jesus, which in Christ's name we do pray, amen. We have a tradition here at Edgewood that when we come out of a Lord's Supper, and we believe this is a very vital part of the Lord's Supper, where we receive instruction in the Word of God, should be a time where the body of Christ, the family of God, has an opportunity uh, to minister uh, to one another. So in just a moment, I'll give you the freedom to actually stand, to move about, uh, to express your love for one another. You may know a brother or sister going through a very difficult time. Just put your arm around them. Let let them know I love you. I'm praying for you. I care for you. Maybe it's somebody you want to express appreciation to that's meant a lot to you, that's uh, ministered uh, to you or to a loved one. And so again, just a time to encourage one another, a time to love on one another. I would ask no one would leave before we dismiss, and we will dismiss in just a few minutes. We're not going to linger long. Uh, As I let you have this fellowship time and minister to one another, this will also serve as our invitation. So I will remain right here. 
And if there's anyone who just a moment ago prayed that prayer to ask Jesus to come into your life, to forgive you of your sins and take control of your life, we, I would ask you just shake my hand. Let me know that you made that decision so that we can continue to love you and pray for you and uh, help you grow in your new relationship with Christ. Or if any believer has any decision they'd like to share, I'll remain right here. So uh, right now, I'll give you the freedom to, to stand up, to minister to one another. This will serve as the invitation. And in just a few minutes, I'll close the service.
Amen. Let me have, just take a seat just for a moment. You can just sort of stay where, if you want to stand right where you are, that's fine too. I just want to introduce uh, uh, several folks uh, to you. Uh, uh, these folks are coming to uh, unite with the church, become part of our church family. Rodrigo, come on up. And this is Rodrigo's wife. Give me your first name one more time. Jenny. Jenny. And this is Jenny's aunt. I'll try my best at Vio Tabi. She's from uh, Laos, the nation of Laos. Uh, speaks uh, very little, if any, English at this point, but she's coming as well uh, to unite with our family. Uh, and so we, we love them. And this is their little one. Her name is, and this is Linda. Linda right here. She's a cutie pie, isn't she? Uh, but uh, it's a joy to receive you folks. And we, we know God's going to bless you. And I know, I know your mama's real happy. Where's Anna? And, and, and Daddy, there's both of them right, right there. I know y'all are happy to have them in the church as well. And then uh, June and Jerry, would you uh, come up? This is very, very special. And um, I've seen this happen often uh, in ministry. Most of you, all of y'all know June and, how long have y'all been in the church? 30-something 30 30 years. Uh, very involved, very active. Uh, Jerry has served as a deacon. And uh, they both came up in, in, in brokenness this morning, tears. And uh, Jerry just acknowledged, he says, I have struggled with the assurance of my salvation. And I'm coming today just to nail it down, to place my faith in Christ and to follow him in uh, baptism. You know, uh, uh, my wife can relate to this. She went through very similar experience. <laughs> I'm, uh, and, uh, uh, and, and this has been true of many believers. I, I know I've talked with Carol Howell many times in the past. I know she acknowledged struggles with this area in, in her life. And so what a joy. What a joy. Thank you. He said, he said God, God woke him up at 3.30 this morning. He said, you're doing it today. Today. <laughs> and so uh, we're glad for their obedience. And then... Uh, I'm missing, where's the, the other young woman that came down? Here she is, right here. This is uh, Vanessa, right? Vanessa Knowles. Van, uh, Vanessa was met by uh, Andy and uh, Richard, and uh, they uh, became her friend and began to share with her. Uh, she comes saying that she knows the Lord Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior, but she is somewhat strayed, gotten away from the family of God, and this morning she's coming back and uh, to unite with the church and to get involved. So, amen. Thank you. Thank you for your obedience. Jerry, would you lead all of these out? You know your way, I think. You're familiar enough with the church. And then I'll join you in just a moment out in the vestibule. We just want our people to have an opportunity to love on you a little bit and express uh, appreciation. And here comes Grandma to get the baby uh, so they can do that. It's been a wonderful service, wonderful service. Thank you for your... Uh, presence. Isn't Jesus good? I mean, goodness gracious. I mean, what, what, what more could be said? Uh, words cannot express. I know what we feel in our hearts for who he is, for what he accomplished for us, and the fact that he's alive. <laughs> he's alive. And because he lives, we live. And because he lives, we can face tomorrow, no matter what it brings. His grace will be sufficient. Amen, Jeremy? Is that true? 
Uh, got your tongue tied, right? <laughs> we had a great, great meeting yesterday, uh, last night, uh, the Tenacious concert. Uh, we saw uh, at least four individuals that made public professions of faith uh, last night. So it was a real exciting uh, time, and uh, and he actually did a pretty good job as a speaker last night. And uh, I don't know if I, I don't know if I agree with his perspective on his looks and all that kind of stuff. I question that. And uh, but it, it was a wonderful time, and uh, we love Jeremy and Jennifer and the entire family. Trust God's continued blessing on them. So uh, God bless you, and uh, you're dismissed. And again, Christ is risen. Is risen indeed. Amen.